Well, good morning. Welcome to Renaissance. My name is Chris. Good to have all of you here today. And we are in our very final week of the series titled Empty. And I was so thankful for Lance Witt being here the last two weekends and uh, what he shared and how he challenged me personally. And last uh, Saturday night, I was sitting just just attending church with my wife, which was a, a great, great uh, experience. And uh, I was sitting in the back listening to Lance talk about the dangers of technology as I had my iPhone in my hands, typing notes as quickly as I could, and then I felt conflicted going, can I use technology in church? Is this bad? I still embraced the moment and wrote as fast as I could. But it's something that my wife and I have been talking a lot about just within our family context about you know, how technology is such a powerful, powerful um, tool to be used, uh, but how it could really take over our family. And so now we have simplified uh, the rules in our house where uh, in the morning uh, the girls can't use anything, and we've framed it this way, anything with, our, with an on or off switch. Because I got tired of saying, no, you can't play on the iPad or iPhone or iPad mini or MacBook or MacBook. Or like, like they would go down a list of things. Kindle, no, you can't use that. And so uh, now it's anything with an on or off switch. We've limited it just so they could start interacting with each other, not staring at a screen. And so it's just, it was a really good challenge uh, for me personally, for us as a, a husband and wife and uh, in our family context. You know, week one of the series, I shared with you this quote from C.S. Lewis that simply stated this, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. Our body's the container and we spend so much time focused on our container, you know, what we wear, how, uh, the clothes we pick out, how we do our hair and makeup, I'm not saying I have makeup on right now, but right? We spend so much time focused on our physical appearance and exercise and what we eat, and those are very important things. But when you compare how much time we spend on the container compared to how much time we spend on our soul, I don't think they even come close to comparing. And so this whole series has been about, hey, let's focus on our soul, because we are soul. We all understand our bodies, I mean, they're just like decaying in front of us, right? It just, it happens. I know it's a horrible thought, right? No, we're going to beat Father Time. No, we're not going to beat Father Time. Turning 40 in a couple weeks. I look at myself in the mirror and oh, I'm like, I have gray hair forming. I've said this before, but it's like, it's weird when you go, guys, be with me on this, right? It's like, it's this weird thing. And my wife is saying to me, honey, I think that's sexy. I'm like, that's not though. It's like, what's happening? And she loves it. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll embrace it. We know our bodies, right? So what's the condition of our soul? So today, it's kind of that now what message. Now what? This series is going to end. A new series is going to pick up next week. Hashtag winning. It's going to be an exciting series. Just looking at how uh, we can succeed in life. And it's really what Jesus says success, success looks like. Not what culture says success looks like. Not with what maybe some of your friends say success looks like. But what does Jesus say success looks like? How to win in this life. And it's going to be a great series. And it would be so easy to bring this series to a close. And if 
you've been here all four weeks, or maybe this is your first week here at Renaissance, and you go back and listen to the, the previous weeks, and you're like, oh, that's great stuff, and you just move on with life. But God wants us to really pay attention to our soul. That's why the Bible isn't filled with a bunch of eating tips and health tips and how to exercise more. But it's filled, filled with how to care for our soul, our heart. What's the condition of our soul or our heart? What's going on in your soul or heart? The Bible is filled with instruction and guidance when it comes to caring for our soul. So today we're going to focus in on one verse. It's found in uh, Jeremiah chapter 6. And uh, it starts like this. This is what the Lord says. Now this line is, uh, is throughout the entire Bible. And, and maybe you just kind of figure that, yeah, th that should be in there because this is God's word. So what's in the Bible is God's word. And it's so easy to quickly move past this line. But you see, God's going to give us an action plan. It's his action plan. And guess what? He knows us the best. He designed us. He created us. He just knows how we operate and how we think. And he already knows the condition of our hearts. But God's going to give us this action plan. And what's incredible about this action plan, it's going to be really simple. I mean, it's, it's 29 words. You can fit this entire action plan into a tweet. If you're not sure what a tweet is, it's what you do on Twitter. And right now, if you're really confused, just Google it later. But you can. It's 139 characters. I tried it. You have to change the two ands to the symbol and, but it will fit. But it's going to fit in a tweet. And it's going to be so intuitive it's going to be so difficult to execute. I'm just going to let you know. It's going to be so logical. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But then to apply it to the rhythm of your life, is, that's, that's a whole other challenge. But if we apply God's action plan, this is the end result. This is what he says at the very end. And you will find rest for your souls. That word rest, usually we don't think about rest and apply it to our souls. Usually we think about rest when it comes to our physical bodies, sleep. I don't know for you, but do you wear as a badge of honor the number of hours you sleep at night? Have you ever found yourself in conversations, maybe a leadership conversation, someone asks you, how much sleep do you get at night? And you're like, five hours, and they undercut you? Like, I only need four and a quarter, Right? <laughs> And you want to come back at them? Well, I didn't mean five, I meant, right? And you go back and forth before you know you're wanting to say, oh, I never sleep. I don't sleep ever. <laughs> and we can read all the studies by all the experts that tell us about the power of sleep. For those people who sleep between seven to nine hours, uh, their mental processing uh, ability increases. For those who sleep seven to nine hours, guess what? You lose weight. And I read that, and I'm like, I'm going to start sleeping 25 hours a night. <laughs> right? If that's all it takes. 
For those that sleep seven to nine hours, your creativity increases. For those who sleep seven to nine hours, you become more productive. For those that sleep seven to nine hours, like all these things uh, increase, get better. And if you're like me, you read those studies and you're like, ah, that's, that's great, but that's for everyone else. I'm the exception. I do fine on five to six hours of sleep. I do fine in the realm of creativity on five to six hours of sleep. I can manage my body. I'm fine with five to six hours. That's for, those studies are for everyone else. I'm the exception. And guess what? If we're not careful, you'll sit there today. And as I share some of these thoughts, you're going to say, well, Chris, I, I get that. And I get that's important. But my soul's fine. And that's for everyone else, not for me. I'm the exception. And God says, if you follow my action plan, you'll get rest for your soul. You see, it's so important for us to pay attention to our soul, our heart. You know, Proverbs 4 kind of just brings the intensity and the importance to this entire series. When it says, above all else, guard your heart. Protect your heart. Pay attention to your heart Know what's coming into your heart and what's coming out of your heart. Know what's trying to influence your heart, what's attacking your heart, what you're allowing to go on inside your heart. Guard it. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Everything. And we intuitively just know this. Right? There's these moments where you, you respond to your spouse, your husband or wife, and how you say those words come out from this dark place. And you're like, did that just fly out of my mouth? Moments as a parent, when I'm disciplining my kids, and discipline is a great thing, but there's moments where I listen to myself going, Chris, how you're saying those words. It's not so much what I'm saying, it's how I'm saying it. I'm like, that's coming from my heart. Those moments where you fire back an email that was fired at you and you hit send and you feel so good until you realize you can't get it back. Those simple moments. Standing in Starbucks. I mean, I know there's this other coffee place that some of you really prefer. It's not really good coffee, but that's okay. One day you'll come over. You're standing in Starbucks, and the barista gets your drink wrong again. And you find yourself thinking as you stare the barista down, how do you mess it up? It's written on the cup. They gave you a cup with the instructions. It's a couple of pumps and coffee and water. It's simple. You don't need an Ivy League uh, 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 education to, to make a drink in the correct fashion, and you stare at them, you have these thoughts, and you're like, where's that coming from? It's, it's a $4 drink. Above all else, guard, protect, pay attention to your heart, because everything Everything flows from it. 
So God's going to give us three simple steps in this action plan for us to experience rest for our souls. And this is how he starts off. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. I thought about those two action words, stand and look, and I wrote on a piece of paper, assess. Because I really think that that's the essence of what God's trying to get at, is when you stand and you look, you're assessing the condition of your heart. And there are two simple actions that are so difficult for us to live out. Because if I was writing this action plan, and let's be thankful that I'm not writing this action plan. If I was writing this action plan, I would write words like sprint and glance. In America, we live at a pretty fast speed, but here in the north, Northeast, the speed of this culture is intoxicating, isn't it? I've loved it. People ask me, well, how, how are you adjusting to the Northeast? And I will say, I love the speed of this culture. It fits my personality. It fits my wife's personality. It fits our family's personality. We love it. And on one side, it's a great, great thing to be a part of this, this culture that's moving and getting things done, but it is intoxicating, isn't it? The speed of this culture is addictive, and it's not healthy all the time. And God says, you have to stand. You have to stop. You have to slow your pace down until you become still. Why is that so difficult? Why is it so difficult to literally stop in life? God built a rhythm for us. You find it all the way back in the Genesis 1. Lance talked about it last week. It's called the Sabbath. Where God said to work six days and rest one. He said, I created this rhythm in life. This rhythm of rest. Work six days and then rest. Give your all. Rest. Lead. Create. Rest. Work on that project. Focus on that team. Rest. But we live our lives where we don't need rest. We live our lives where technology is tethered to us every waking moment. We go on vacation and we can't turn it off because we're needed. We're important. That email comes. That phone call might come. That text message might come. And guess what? We need to reply and we need to get information back and we need to make decisions. And we sit at the dinner table with our families, with our spouses, with our kids, and we have our cell phones facing up just in case someone needs to get a hold of us because guess what? There's a deadline and there's important people that need me and I am needed and my importance is that great. And we start living our lives like this. And God says, no, there's rhythm. Any great musician will tell you that great music understands the balance between sound and rest. Sound and silence. Great music, great musicians understand that when they don't play, 
that makes the most beautiful of music. And it's easy to sit and to dismiss this away. Because I understand the challenge. I understand what you're thinking because it's what I think. There's so much to do. So many things going on. So many important decisions. The thought of turning it off. The thought of pushing pause. The thought of turning the cell phone over. The thought of actually going on vacation and not doing work. Like that's such a foreign concept. Not in this culture. Not today. That was back then. It's different now. The great Roman philosopher Seneca, you know what he stated? As he looked at the Jewish culture and their belief in the Sabbath, Seneca said, I can't believe they're going to waste a seventh of their lives following the Sabbath. There's so much to be accomplished. We think it's different for us today. But it's been the same spanning the centuries of humankind. And I think we don't stand, I think we don't stop because we really don't want to face what's going on inside of us. Because the only way to truly look, you must stop. And we're scared we stand we will look and if we look we will have to face reality of what's going on inside of us what's driving us to work seven days a week 12 hour days what's driving us to try to find security what's driving us to try to find our self-worth What's driving us to, to, to not face our fears or allow our fears to control us? What's driving us to try to fill our securities? Because in all reality, we have so many insecurities. What's driving us? You see, when you stand, when you stop, you have to face the reality of the condition of our heart. There's these crossroads moments. Maybe today this might be one for you. These moments where, where you make decisions which way you're going to go in your life. A lot of times we focus on the big ones. If you think back to that decision you made and what college to go to, crossroads moment. What degree, crossroad moment. Who you're going to marry or who you're going to date, crossroad moments. Kids, crossroad moment. You know what, every day we have smaller crossroad moments where we make decisions about the rhythm that we're going to live our life. Every day we make decisions about how we're going to stop and how we're going to look at the condition of our souls. Every day we make these crossroads moments. Decisions. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that, uh, if you guys could put that, thank you. If we don't change the direction we're going, we're likely to end up where we are headed. You see, that's the reality. We're going to end up 
somewhere. The question is, where is that going to be? Well, God goes on in his action plan. He says, first you must assess, stand, and look. Then he goes, ask for the ancient past and ask where the good way is. And I thought about Jeremiah, and I don't know if Jeremiah was writing this down as God was giving him these words or if he had someone uh, writing the words down as Jeremiah was speaking out loud these words. But at some point, these words were made known to, to the culture and the people around him. And I just wonder when he, he shared those words or when people read those words. And it says, ask for the ancient past. And I just wonder if people's response is so similar to our, our response now. I wonder at around the early 6th century B.C. when this was being written, when this was being shared, if people said, oh, that was so long ago, Jeremiah. That's when Moses was chiseling things into stone. Cultures have advanced. Technology has advanced. We are so much more advanced now than Moses. Come on, Jeremiah. The ancient past? What about now? And you see, that's why it's so easy for us to look at the Bible, this ancient collection of documents, and say, oh, that was then. But this is now. And it's such an easy way just to shift it off of our attention. And say, ah, oh, that was back then. And Jeremiah was saying, God has given us this amazing pathway. I mean, back to Genesis chapter 1 in the Sabbath. I was, I got away this week. And uh, I spent a few days uh, kind of in quiet. Uh, about eight weeks ago, I, we'd had a staff meeting with all the Renaissance staff. And I challenged all the staff to find three or four days a week to get away this summer, a spiritual renewal. I said, it's not vacation, but I, I just want you to go and spend time with God. And so I finally got away. I went up north to uh, like Nowheresville, Pennsylvania. Literally no one was up there. And uh, I found this amazing little hotel that had this beautiful waterfall behind it. And uh, my goal was just to get away and pay attention to my soul. And uh, so one day I went out for a run, uh, kind of run hike type of deal. And uh, I text my wife, hey, I'm at Promised Land State Park. I'm on this trail. If you never see me again, you at least know where to come find my body. And uh, so I headed out on this. I, it was a several hour, seven mile kind of run hike thing. And I re quickly realized that they had never taken care of the trail. So I was literally running through like jungle forest. And uh, so I'm running through and at this one moment. I, I, I had this thought in my mind where I was like, what if a bear chases me down? And uh, that's where my mind started going. I'm like, oh, oh, a bear starts chasing me down, I have a Leatherman. You know one of those multi-use tools with about a three-inch blade? I'm like, I got a Leatherman in my camelback. You know, I can fend off the bear, and then the reality hit that, like, I don't even think the bear could feel me stab it, right, with the Leatherman. And then my next thought was like, well, I can't outrun him, and I can't stab him with my Leatherman, so I'll just lay down and uh, let him enjoy his meal. And uh, so I'm thinking through this, and then at some point I put on uh, uh, my iPod, my iPhone, and I started listening to Genesis chapter 1. I've read Genesis 1 so many, so many times. But there's something about listening to the Bible. If you never tried it, you version, you can listen to the Bible. 
And uh, so I started with Genesis 1. Why Genesis 1? It was just the first thing I touched, to be honest with you, because I was thinking about the bear chasing me down. And uh, so I started Genesis 1, and you're talking about ancient past. And all of a sudden, as I was listening to this guy read Genesis 1, there's a rhythm that formed. It was so fascinating because it says that there was evening and then there was morning on the first day. Evening and then morning on the second day. Evening and then morning on the third day. Evening and then morning. And I started thinking about this rhythm of evening and then morning. And evening and morning. And I asked myself, well, we start our day with morning, don't we? Many of us start before the sun even comes up. Get started. Got so much to do. But our day starts in morning and ends in evening when we collapse into bed. But God started the day with evening. Out of rest comes work. Out of quiet comes work. Out of stillness comes work. I thought about how far we have come in culture. Or even physical rest. I mean, not even talking about rest for our souls, our physical rest. It's the last, last thing we think about. And God designed us to start our day with rest, to start our day in silence, to start our day with quiet. And out of that comes work. It's a rhythm. God says, ask for the ancient paths. Yeah, cultures have changed. This hasn't. You might think it's changed. You might think it's different. Seneca thought it was different 2,000 years ago. 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah was talking to a group of people that, guess what? They were saying it was different. God said, no, it hasn't changed. Look for the ancient past. And then he says, ask where the good way is. And I thought to myself, why doesn't it say ask where the great way is? Right? I don't want a good way. I want the great way. Right? I want a better way. I want the best way. If I was writing this, again, let's be thankful that I'm not. I would write the great way. And then God took me on this incredible journey. In Psalm chapter uh, uh, 100, verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good. And then you go into Mark chapter 10. And this guy comes to Jesus and he says this, good teacher. And Jesus stops him. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And I sat there in that space going, what's he really saying? Jesus is the son of God, so why would Jesus say to this man, only God is good if Jesus is the son of God? And maybe you've studied this. Maybe you scratched your head like, like me this week going, well, Jesus is the son of God. He's good. Why would Jesus reply like that? Then I went back. What did this man say? Good teacher. And Jesus was saying, if you only think that I'm a teacher, don't call me good. 
but if you recognize me as the son of God, then you can call me good. You see, so many times we take this word good and we use our definition of the word good to define God. You see how the Bible approaches it? God defines what good is. It's not the other way around. That God's holiness is good and God's mercy is good and God's forgiveness is good and God's compassion is good and God's desire to have a relationship with us is good because God is good. God defines what good is. And God's saying to us, ask where the good way is. Follow his footsteps. Follow his path. Invite him into this process. Because it's so easy to compare our hearts with other human beings' hearts. Don't we do that all the time? At least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. At least I don't talk like him. At least I don't struggle like that, like she does, right? We like to compare ourselves with other people because if we compare ourselves with other people, we can prop ourselves up. But what if we start comparing ourselves to God? That's where we really see the condition of our heart. And the third step in this action plan says, and walk in it. Not run in it, not sprint in it, not race in it. There's a rhythm to this. Where you spend your life understanding that God has created this rhythm. And he wants rest for your soul. But we must stand. And we must look. And we must invite him in. And we must be committed to living our life in the rhythm that God has created us to live in. Now at this point, I don't know what you're sensing or feeling, but I get to this point and I'm like, this is so encouraging and I get it and yeah, it's going to be difficult and yeah, I'm going to have to fight for this rhythm and I'm going to have to pay attention to this rhythm, but I'm so thankful that God wants rest for my soul and I know it's a good thing. I need to stop more. I need to look at my soul more and I know that God loves me and he wants blessings for my life. I'm like in this great space and then all of a sudden I realize that verse 16 doesn't stop there. Do you remember that Saturday Night Live sketch with Debbie Downer? Do you remember that? Wah, 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 right? Well, all of a sudden, verse 16 ends in this Debbie Downer moment. Let's, look at this. But you said, we will not walk in it. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right. I mean, what? You got this amazing action plan where God's like, I want rest for your souls. And if you do these simple things, if you create this rhythm in your life, you understand the value of stopping, standing, and looking, and asking, and walking with me in this, you will discover rest for your souls. But, but, if you were here with us the very first week, if not, go back and watch or listen to the first week's message. I looked at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
this amazing moment where Moses' entire life was coming to an end. Some of his very last words he wrote. And right after chapter 30, he passes the baton off to a new leader for the Israelites, and he dies. His container turns to dust. And it said there was two words that was going to govern, guide us this entire series. Two simple words that were the most important two words. Do you remember what they were? It's what he wrote. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you. If you. If you obey the Lord and keep his commands. If you. You see the Sabbath. It's the first object, the first thing in the Bible that was declared holy. Because God understood if we didn't purposely build rest into our schedules, if we didn't purposely push pause in our very hectic lives, if we didn't purposely find time to stand, we would never, never look at our soul. Never. You see, this all comes down to you, to me. No one can do this for you. You have to choose. You're going to have to fight for it. I had to fight for the last three days that I took off. I had to fight for it. And you might be thinking, well, Chris, you're the pastor. You can make up your schedule. You can go whenever you want to. That's easy. No, it wasn't easy between kids' schedules and graduations and activities at the end of the school year, leadership responsibilities here and a list of action items that we're trying to push forward and get ready for the fall and into 2014 and the amount that's on my leadership load right now, it was one of the most difficult things I had to get done. And luckily for me, I'm so grateful that my wife was such a supporter to say, Chris, you got to get out of here. You got to find space to stand and to look. So my challenge for you is simply this. Assess. Assess your soul. Fight for the time. Discover a rhythm. Where you can start looking at your soul. And when you do that, ask God. Ask him. Invite him into that journey. Allow God to be the standard for your heart, not other people. And then put it into action. Act on it. Walk with God in this process. Now, if you're a parent in this room, here's my challenge to you. Your kids reflect you. Your kids look up to you. We all know those moments when our kids will give that look or they will respond in a certain way and you're just like, oh, that's me. 
God has called you as parents to not only teach this with your words, but teach it with your actions. Where you lead your family in the rhythm that God created. Where for in your family that you understand the value of this rhythm and you live it out. And parents, if you'll live it out, one day your kids will live it out. And their kids will live it out. And it can change generations. God has called you as parents to live this out within your family. You see, if you're a parent, it's just not about you. It's about the spiritual leadership God has placed upon your shoulders to raise up your kids to walk in his footsteps. be so easy for me to pray you get up you walk out and say ah that was good and go on with your life or maybe I pray and you get up and you walk out understanding Lord the Sabbath is holy and the rhythm that you created us in is because you know we need moments to rest. You know we need moments to stand. You know we need moments to look and to pay attention to the condition of our soul. And when we invite you in, and when we follow the good way, and when we walk in it, then we discover a rest that can only come from you. Lord, I pray for every individual here today. Lord, I pray for the parents in this room today that they'll realize the responsibility you have placed upon their shoulders to develop a family structure follows the rhythm that you designed. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless. I hope you have just an amazing week.